Well, we have been um, we have been on a Advent journey in our messages the last few weeks, last couple weeks, and uh, I don't know if you maybe when you were watching, maybe some of you you know aren't aren't used to Advent candles and that kind of thing, and if you're watching Mark and Sherry up here earlier, you might have thought she missed a candle. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, we have the candle of, of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, and then the center candle is the Christ candle that's lit on Christmas Eve. Um, now, this year, the fourth Sunday of Advent happens to be Christmas Eve. I'm cutting out for some reason. Um, so, so we're going to light two candles on uh, next Sunday evening. So you'll see all that when it happens. But we've been, uh, we've been talking about how Jesus came as Savior, but also as King. He was born under miraculous circumstances, of course. Uh, a virgin birth announced to his mother Mary by the mighty Gabriel, one of the chief angels of God. And uh, his, his birth was accompanied by a host or army of angelic beings, a royal guard of heaven for the Messiah, the anointed king that had been born, who would bring about God's plan of hope for the nations. The king has come. The king has come. Today, uh, we are talking about joy. And each of our messages in this series are taken, uh, the titles are taken from a, a line in a Christmas carol, and today is taken from the carol, O Holy Night, The Weary World Rejoices. The Weary World Rejoices. Our world is weary, isn't it? Weary from war, from sickness and death, anxiety fear, struggling for survival, daily battles of sin and, and temptation, relational conflict. I was talking to some people this week who were expressing their struggle with some of the weightiness of life. And they were saying, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way at this time of year. But I think, I think this title today, Weary World Rejoices, helps us to understand that the joy that we have as followers of Jesus is not often in place of struggles or difficulties, but in spite of our struggles and our difficulties. In talking about joy today, we, we in no way want to cause anyone to feel shamed or guilty for having a struggle at this time of year. Um, we recognize that sometimes Christmas can be a very difficult time for some people. And it's really okay to not be okay. It's okay to have times when we struggle. Joy doesn't necessarily make the struggles go away, but it enables us to have strength to endure them. 
But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. Um, so uh, the verse from the carol that, that we, we stole our, our title today. Oh, holy night. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. It means longing, right? Longing because we know that this is not right. There are things not right about our world. We're longing, we're pining for the rightness of God, the, the good that he has for us. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine. This song was originally written in French and was adapted into English in 1855 by a guy named John Sullivan Dwight during the height of the conflict in America over slavery that in just five years from the time this was written, was translated, would plunge the nation into a brutal and bloody civil war. You can imagine that in, in that time, as well as in ours, the weary world needed news to rejoice over. News to lift its spirits. What is that news? The kingdom begun in Christ is on its way to its fullness. And yonder, just ahead, just on the horizon, yonder breaks the dawn of a new and glorious morning. The day when Jesus will return and bring his kingdom and all hope becomes reality. Amen. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Gospels in, in the Gospel of Luke says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The news the angels brought to the simple shepherds that night was a message of great joy for everyone. Great joy for everyone. It is the news that Christ the Lord has been born. Christ the Lord. I don't know if you remember, but that, that word Christ means anointed one. And Lord was the word used in the Greek language for a king. The anointed king has been born. Right? That was the, the news. That was the good news. That the anointed king, the long-awaited anointed king, had been born. 
Why was this news that would bring joy to everyone? Because the world was desperate for things to change. Because there's a new king, and he's not just king for a few people, for, a, for one ethnic group or one geographic area, but he's an, he's an emperor greater than the one in Rome. And he has been born. Like peace that we talked about last week. Joy is one of the descriptors of this kingdom of God that we are a part of as followers of Jesus. Joy is one of the descriptors. We looked at this verse last week briefly as well. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, not a matter of rules that we have to keep, but it's a matter of righteousness. It's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Folks, God is a joyful king. He has never known a day without joy in all of eternity. He has never known a moment without joy. You know, the Bible talks about God being at times grieved by humans, at times angry at human disobedience and those kinds of things. But we need to be careful about assuming that God's emotions are like ours. Right? When we get angry, we just see red. And we don't, we don't, we don't, all the other emotions disappear and we see red. Right? So what happens when we get angry? But God isn't like that. God has never let go of joy no matter what's been happening. No matter what goes on in this world, God has never stopped being joyful. No matter the mess we make of our lives or his world, he never loses joy for even a moment. Because the Father knows what he's doing. He knows what he's up to. He knows where he's taking things. He knows what he's making of you and me, no matter what we do in the meantime. He knows what he's doing. He sees the end from the beginning. And, his, and he has joy at every step of our journey. To be a kingdom person is to learn to live in that place of joy that doesn't come and go with our good days and our bad days. But to discover abiding joy, abiding joy that leaps over fear and disappointment and sadness, not because fear and disappointment and sadness aren't real or don't matter, but because joy matters more and joy is more real. There's a verse Some days annoys me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. 
rejoice. Right? I, I mean, I don't mind the rejoice in the Lord part. It's that always word that gets stuck in my throat sometimes. Right? But we are called, we're invited, we're commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice is the verb form of the word joy. It means to be joyful or to take joy in something, to choose joy. So how do I rejoice when it feels like things are going wrong, right? How do we do that? God is not a sadist. He's not, he's not playing mind games with us. And so he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell us to do something that is out of reach for us. When he says, rejoice in the Lord always, it is something we actually can grow in and learn to do. Mary, in her song recorded in Luke chapter 1, starts off by saying, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, by all accounts, her life had just gotten a lot more difficult. She was pregnant as a first century Jewish girl and was not married. No one in her town would understand. Not even her parents. Joseph was brokenhearted. Her life had just blown up because she had said yes to God. But her response was not to complain or to spiral into self-pity, but it was to rejoice in God. Hebrews 12, verse 2, describes Jesus hanging on the cross for us. It says that we are to fix our eyes to, in order to see and the example that will train us and teach us and help us and equip us. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was joy that strengthened Jesus to endure the cross. No one in the history of suffering, has suffered what Jesus suffered as he took the sins and the guilt of the world upon his physical body on the cross. Jesus didn't, we, we can't consider the extent of Jesus' suffering having nails driven into his wrist and into his feet. And a thorn of crowns 
crown of thorns put on his head. Because crucifixion was actually a torture by which people would take days and days to die. Jesus died in three hours. He gave up his life. But the agony that caused him to cry out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was not nails and spikes in his wrists and his feet, but it was the weight and the burden of our sin upon his body. No one has endured what Jesus has endured. But he, he endured it. He went through it. He faced it and willingly did it. How was he able to do that? Joy strengthened him. The joy set before him. The joy of knowing that he was doing all of it so that you would be free. So that you would be forgiven. So that you would have life. So that you would have eternity with the Father. And joy gave him the strength to endure. The same is true for us today. Joy is what will strengthen us for difficult days. God never, never promises to take all our difficulties away. You will not find that promise in Scripture until the new heaven and the new earth, when he wipes away every tear. And sin and sorrow and sickness will flee away. Does not promise to take away our difficulties. But he promises to provide the strength that we need to persevere. And the biggest tool that he gives us for strength is that of joy. It's that of joy. Joy is one of the greatest weapons in our, in our warfare arsenal, folks. The enemy wants to discourage and defeat you. He is pounding you down every day with stuff because he wants to discourage you and defeat you and cause you to give up. Joy is a weapon that we have. Pick it up. We have to pick it up. It doesn't do any good on the floor. The weapon doesn't do any good if we don't pick it up, right? You need to pick it up. So this joy is available to us, but I'm not automatically feeling it on days. How do I access this joy? How do I pick up the weapon? How do I access joy? The key, I think, in Scripture is that joy resides in God's presence. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
There's a whole other story there about joy that we don't have time to get into today. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? The joy of of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. It comes from Him. We access joy by practicing the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. There is a way to live in this world that the Bible opens up to us. If we don't follow it, if we don't live it, if we don't walk it, life is going to be more of a struggle than it needs to be, right? You have, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. That's where it is, folks. That's where the joy is. It's in his presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is just one of the many verses in the scriptures that that locate the source of joy in, in God's presence. And so fellowshipping with God Getting into his presence is is the key to releasing joy in our lives. Here's a a great New Testament Advent passage that points us to the fact that that, that joy comes with Jesus and joy comes from him. Um, The life appeared. 1 John 1, 2-4. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. That sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? Sounds like Advent, right? The life was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. Wow. Wouldn't it be great to have complete joy? Fullness of joy, right? And it comes from our fellowship with the Father. So if fellowship with the Father is key to our joy, how do we do that? How do we practically flip the switch? We all have days when we need our our switch switch flipped, right? Where where we're, we're seeing red or we're seeing some other color, but we're not seeing Jesus, right? We're We're not, you know, we're having a a really difficult day. How do we flip the switch and access joy? I want to suggest the first two things I'm going to talk about very briefly. We're almost done. First thing is praise. Psalm 100 tells us that we enter his gates with thanksgiving 
and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise are like the the key cards, the pass cards, the, 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 the key to get in the door. How do we get into God's courts, into his presence? How do we enter into the presence of God with thanksgiving and praise? Fear tends to come from believing a lie that God is not good, he doesn't care, or he's against us and not for us. Fear counts what we are, in air quotes, what we are owed, what we think we're owed, and finds God lacking. God, how come my life isn't roses and, you know, it's not, it's not going the way I want it to? It's a lie that will cause us to spiral into panic. Fear is a liar, right? When we start being fearful, we have started to believe a lie of some kind. A thankful heart looks for the ways that God has been good to us, and it recognizes that God owes me nothing. Owes me nothing. And if we've been granted another day on planet Earth, Earth to, say, to serve Him, we are blessed beyond measure. Right? And praise declares the goodness of God in the face of the lie. It is the most rebellious and subversive thing we can do in this world to praise God. It turns every lie of the enemy on its head. When we praise God, God, when we choose to praise Him, right? The, uh, the song we sang at the beginning, one of the lines from that song, praise is, praise is the water my enemy drowns in. Praise is the water my enemy drowns in. When I lift up a voice of praise to God, a heart of praise, I begin to thank Him and praise Him and honor Him for what He has done in my life. Um, it shuts down the lies of the enemy. So rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And especially when we don't feel like it. Because we tend to believe that, that we praise when we get excited about God. Right? That's when we praise. But that's not when we need praise the most. We need praise when the last thing I want to do on a day is, is to pray or to worship or to talk to Jesus. The, the, on those days are when I need to praise the most. To lift up my voice. I love in the, in the Psalms over and over, it says, shout for joy. Sing for joy. I don't know, I don't know 
Hebrew enough to know if this works or not. Hebrew grammar. But I just wonder if it doesn't just mean shout when you feel joyful or if it means shout is one of the ways you pick up that weapon. It's one of the ways you access joy is when we begin to shout the goodness of God. When we begin to sing the goodness of God, we don't just sing because we got that warm, bubbly feeling inside, but we sing because God is good and I need to pick up my weapon today. I need to praise because that's how I'm going to drown the enemy. That's how I'm going to defeat him and his lies is by praising my good God. And the second thing, this probably is even less exciting when you read it. But I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the ways that we build an atmosphere of joy in our lives. And it is spiritual disciplines. The reason the Bible instructs us and we encourage people to have daily time in the Word and daily time in prayer and worship as spiritual disciplines is not because we win brownie points with God when we can check it off our list for the day. I did my time. Check. It's not about some religious rules that God requires of us. But those things are ways that the Scripture invites us to spend time in fellowship with God. We build regular fellowship with God when we make room for Him in our life and in our day. And we make it a priority. We read the Bible, folks, not because it's some kind of encyclopedia to learn more stuff about God. But the Bible is a portal into His presence. God didn't give you the Bible so you could just study theology or get smarter, memorize verses, although all that stuff's good. But He gave it to you so that as you spend time in the Scriptures and you, you, you dive into Ancient people's stories about their encounters with God, somehow the mystery of it, I don't understand, but somehow God meets us there in those stories and we begin to encounter Him in our own lives. We need to approach the Scripture not as a textbook, but approach it as a portal into God's presence. We pray not to check off a list that we've done our prayers, but because prayer is spending time in the presence of God and learning to grow in intimacy with Him. Do these disciplines or these things that we do, do they, do they result in overwhelming joy every time we do them? No, of course not. You know that. 
but it's the consistency of making room and space for the moments when he shows up and surprises us with joy. We make room for fellowship with the Almighty. I love the New King James Version translation of um, Matthew 6. I think it's verse 6, somewhere in there. Where God is, where, where Matthew in his, in his gospel, Jesus is giving instruction on prayer. He says, when you pray, don't go out and stand on the street corner and make a loud noise so everybody can see you like the Pharisees who like the attention. And, but he says, go into the secret place. And God who is in the secret place will reward you openly. What that verse says to me is that God, God waits for us in the secret place. He waits for us to show up. He waits for us to lean in and say, God, I need to be with you today. He's waiting every day in the secret place. Sometimes we just breeze right, right by the secret place. Or we, we do, you know, we, we forget, you know, to spend time with him. Or we, or we you know, we do a, a quick, you know, oh, I got to read my, got to read my daily bread today and say a quick prayer. And I got, I got too much to do. Martin Luther great reformer. There were some not so great things about his life too, but, but no question he, he, he changed Christianity, he changed the world in many ways. He once wrote in his autobiography that, uh, um, that oftentimes he has so many things to do in his day, so busy, the list is so long, that he has to spend at least three hours in prayer. <laughs> now that sounds, that sounds like a lot, I'm sure, to most of us. But, but, but the idea is not, I got a lot to do. God, I, I don't have much time for you today. I got to keep moving. But it's, God, I've got a lot on my plate. And if I don't spend some time with you, I'm going to do it all wrong. I'm going to blow it up. <laughs> I'm going to make a mess. I need some time with you. Let's stand. So folks, today, I want to encourage you, because I know, I know some of us are facing our first Christmas. 
after we've lost someone. Some of us are, are uh, you know, we, we're, we're almost dreading family get-togethers because we know that something's going to blow up. You know, it's many of us in this room, all, probably all of us in this room, are carrying some things. And we need, we need to learn how to access joy. We need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord always. We choose joy by leaning into Jesus. By choosing to praise him even when and maybe especially when we don't feel like it. And lean into time with Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you're not doing it already, find a Bible reading plan and follow it. It'll help you to stay on track. Spending time in the scriptures each day. And as you're reading it, don't treat it like an obligation or a study time. Although study time is great and we can add that to it. But... But in your, in your time with Jesus, expect to meet God in the stories of the scriptures. Pray regularly. But not just Santa wish list prayers, but learn to sit with Jesus. Pour out your heart to him. But also wait on him. Listen for him to whisper something to you by his spirit. As we make room for his presence in our lives, we will find ourselves surprised by joy. As we lift up our voice to praise him and sing to him in those dark moments, in those difficult moments, we are rejoicing in the Lord. We are choosing joy. And he will meet us in that, in that moment, in that space. And his joy will be our strength. We also rejoice because no matter what happens in this world, there is a day coming when it will all change. Right? And one of the greatest joys that we have as followers of Jesus is fixing our eyes on that yonder. Where the dawn is about to break on a new and glorious morn. Amen. Amen. Well, let me pray with you. In a moment, uh, um, Bob's going to come and, and release us.
but also um, uh, Pastor Jim and myself and Karen and Pam are going to get out there and, uh, and give you some Christmas, Pastor Christmas letters that we want to give you. But don't, don't let that stop you from uh, coming for prayer if you, if you need prayer this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us and your mercy and goodness in our lives. Thank you for this reminder today of your, 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 your goodness in every, in every situation. You never stop being good. And we thank you for that. Thank you that we can uh, rejoice in you. We can celebrate your goodness. We can look forward to the hope that we have and God, that your joy is going to strengthen us in every season, in every challenge, in every difficulty. Thank you, Lord, that we can pick up that weapon of joy and rejoice in the Lord. And when we do, you meet us there and we find strength. We thank you for those promises, God. And we, uh, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.